Good morning. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 20. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs or thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Hey, good morning, everyone. Can you hear me at the very back with the microphone? Those of you sitting in the back, how's, how's the volume? Is it good? All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to everyone who's here, those who might be at home watching, visitors that may be here with us. And uh, I just want to throw out uh, uh, an announcement. Wayne had mentioned it earlier, um, and that is that we've had two people that have been baptized into Christ. One was on Wednesday evening, and then there was another one yesterday. So if you get the chance, if you could talk to Pam Pimlot or either uh, Rafael Vasquez, if you could talk to them after this, I don't know where they're seated, but they're here somewhere. And so maybe just go say hi and welcome them to the family if you could do that. So this morning, we continue in our sermon series. We've been talking about the church. We've been learning a lot of things about the church, about ourselves as the church. And uh, this week, we're looking at the subject of false teaching, false teaching and false teachers. And that's a very important subject for us. How important is it for us to talk about this? Well, it's very important. God's word has a lot to say on the subject, and if it has a lot to say, then we need to know what it says. We need to know what our responsibilities are as a Christian when it comes to these things. So, let me start off by saying that the Christian has responsibilities when it comes to false teachers and false teachings. And so, number one, every Christian is responsible to study the Bible, to know what the will of God is, and to know what is false. That's a responsibility that we all have. Number two, all Christians have a responsibility in what we teach to be careful that what is taught is not false. So we have that responsibility. That's not just for the teachers. That's not just for the elders. This is everyone. Whatever that comes out of our mouth, if we're claiming it's from the Bible, we need to make sure it really is from the Bible, that it's not false. And thirdly, it is the duty of every Christian to correct false teaching. But we are to do this with gentleness. We are to do this very gently. We have to be careful how we approach that, how we do that. So how did Jesus deal with those who taught falsely? What did Jesus do? How did he handle situations when dealing with what was false? Well, we're going to look at one situation, one example of that right now. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to see how Jesus dealt with Satan when Satan tried to teach what was false. When Satan tried to tempt Jesus when he was in the desert for 40 days. And let's start off by reading verses 1 to 4. Verses 1 to 4 of Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we know that we don't just 
live off of physical food. We live off of spiritual food. We live off the word of God. It feeds us. It helps us. So Jesus came to die for the world. We talked a few weeks ago, probably more than a few weeks ago, about the plan of God, Jesus coming to die to put God's plan uh, into effect. Well, Satan tried to hurt God's plan by trying to tempt Jesus, to try to get Jesus to stumble and fall and ruin the plan. Satan told Jesus that if, if he really is the Son of God, he said, turn these stones into bread. You're hungry. Why don't you eat? Go ahead and change those rocks into bread. Eat it up. So what would have been the harm in turning some stones into bread and eating it? Why was that a temptation? Why was it wrong? What was Jesus doing when Satan arrived on the scene? He was fasting. He wasn't eating. He wasn't drinking. He was fasting in devotion to God. So Satan is trying to disrupt that. Satan's trying to stop him from doing that. Satan wanted Jesus to give in to his desire to eat and work a miracle. He wanted him to use his powers selfishly. Never mind devotion to God. You're hungry. Use your powers selfishly. Turn that, turn that rock into bread and eat. And that's what he was trying to do. But Jesus refused to give in to Satan. Satan was cunning, but Jesus wanted to please the Heavenly Father. I'm reminded of what Jake said in his, in his talk. And he's absolutely right. Jesus always wanted to please the Father. And that's what we see here. He wants to please the Father. He's not willing to give in to Satan. Take a look at verses 5 to 7 now as we see the second temptation that's thrown at him. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And so Satan brought Jesus to the holy city. That probably was Jerusalem. They stood on the highest point of the temple in Jerusalem. And Satan used the same words that he had used previously. If you are the son of God, if you really are who you say you are. So Satan tries to tempt Jesus again, tries to have him use his power. But this time, Satan went a little further. He uses God's word against Jesus. He actually uses God's word to try to convince Jesus to do this. And so he tries to convince Jesus that it would be okay if he threw himself down. Don't worry, angels will get you. Your feet will not even hit the rocks at the bottom. You won't get hurt. Don't worry. You're the son of God. You'll be just fine. So as I said, he tried to use God's word to justify this action, saying that it is written, thus it is the will of God. Jesus had already established that he wanted to do the will of his father. He didn't want to give in to Satan. Now Satan is trying to say, but this is the will of the father. That's what the word says. You'll be okay. Do it. But Jesus answered, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus used the word of God to say, no, it's not the will of God to do this. And so now we come to verses 8 to 11. We see the third temptation. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. 
Interestingly, other translations say that Satan went away for a more opportune time to tempt him again later on. And so Matthew does not record that detail. But Satan just put a stop for now. And so we know that later on Satan does try to tempt Jesus over and over and over again. So the devil tries to tempt Jesus the third time. He brought him to a high mountain where they could view all the kingdoms of the world. Satan told him that he would give Jesus all that he could see if he would bow down to him and worship him. So what Satan tried to do is get Jesus to abandon his mission altogether. Jesus knew what he came here for. He was fasting, and he was probably praying to his father. And so Satan tries to stop him from doing that. He says, you're starving. Think about you. Don't think about God. Eat. Then he tries to tell him, hey, if you're really God, show yourself. Jump down, and don't worry. God will take care of you. He tries to use God's word against him. And then now he tries to tell him, look, it's not worth it. Abandon your mission altogether. It's not worth saving these humans. Bow down and worship me instead. Look at all that's there for you. He's trying to use the human side of Jesus, trying to tempt him, trying to get to his senses and say, look how beautiful all of this. This could belong to you. He wanted Jesus to align himself with Satan, something Jesus was not willing to do because, as we said, he came here to do the will of the Father. He knew what he came here for. He came to die for us, and he was not going to be moved from that mission. He knew he had to do that. So Jesus shows how fed up he was with Satan. He says, away from me, Satan. You imagine how annoyed he is at this time. This is the third temptation. And Jesus is trying to tell him, no, you're not going to get through to me. Forget it. Get away from me. Go. You know? So again, Jesus revealed, revealed the will of God through the word of God and said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So in all three of Jesus' answers, he quoted Deuteronomy in all three. One of them is Deuteronomy 8. The other two is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. But he uses the word of God to deal with Satan, to deal with the things that he was saying falsely. He was taking scripture, taking it out of context, trying to twist it and try to make it say something that it wasn't saying. And he was trying to get Jesus to abandon his mission, to turn away, to not fulfill what he had come here to do. So in the text, we see that Jesus quoted God's word, he had his father's will in mind. That's what we need to do. We need to have our father's will in mind all the time. Jesus tells us to please the father through him. Everything we do is to please the father. We pray to the father. We give thanks to the father. Everything that we do is to the father through Jesus. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus set that example for us. We all have a responsibility to make sure that the teaching we receive the teaching that we give is from God. That's what Jesus did. If we are not following God's word, then we have to ask ourselves a very important question. If we're not following God's word, then who are we following? Are we following ourselves? Or even worse, are we following Satan? We don't want to be guilty of doing that. We want to be following God and God's word. And so, if we teach falsely, then we're following Satan. We want to teach properly. He used scripture to make it say what he wanted, and he did it for his own selfishness. What was Christ's weapon against Satan? The word of God. The Bible, right here, this. This is our weapon that we use to fight the war against false teaching. This is what we use to be able to answer people. This is how we deal with people 
who are saying what is not right according to the word of God. So what is false teaching? What's false doctrine? And the simple answer is it's what is contrary to God's word. That's what is false. We need to make sure that what people hear from us is really from God's word. It's not our own thoughts. It's not our own opinions. It's not our own feelings about things. It has to be from God. It has to be his word. Now, I've heard people say that, well, I know the Bible says this, but I think this, or I feel this. Well, the person who does this has already admitted that what they want to do is contrary to the word of God. If the word of God says something, that's what we must do, regardless of what we think or feel. It's God's word that should rule the day. We want to please our Father, don't we? Our Heavenly Father. What God says or thinks or feels should dictate what we do as Christians. And we need to know what his word says in order to be able to do that. So how can we know what is false or deal with people who teach falsely if we don't know what the Bible says? If we don't pick this up and read it, if we don't pick this up and study it, how are we ever going to know what is false teaching? How are we going to ever be able to stand up against false teaching? We won't be able to because we don't know what the word of God says and what his will is. So what if a person thinks they are teaching God's word correctly? What if a person is teaching and they think they're teaching correctly? They don't realize they're wrong. Well, they could still be in error. And if we know it, then we should try to help them to see it with gentleness. And as scriptures say, we need to try to correct that. We need to try to help people in doing that. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. As we've studied in the past, we've talked about Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. We talk about the things that are listed there in those verses, the seven oneness that Christians share. There's seven different things that there's only one of. So one faith, one baptism, etc. There's only one of these things. So that means it is our responsibility to study these things since there's only one of each. We know that many groups teach differently about baptism. But we are told that there is only one. In other words, there is only one kind of baptism that's authorized by God. And if there's only one, then we need, to know, we need to know which one it is. We need to understand exactly what it is. If we don't teach the right one, what are we doing? We're teaching falsely. So it's important for us to know what the Word of God says. This isn't a matter of we have our own theology and they have theirs. This is a matter of this is what God has said and we need to study it and we need to know it. There's only one baptism that is correct. All others are wrong. So they have no authority from God. So we need to do our homework. We need to do our homework. Studying God's word and knowing it well not only helps us to grow as Christians, but it also equips us to be able to recognize false teaching. You, you won't know what false teaching is if you, if you don't know what this says, right? It helps us to handle God's word correctly. Listen to the instructions that Paul gave to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, if you'll turn there and read with me. Notice what Paul says to Timothy, the instructions that he gives him. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. He says, keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And like Timothy, each one of us is to do our best to present ourselves as one approved by God. Well, how do we do that? Well, as the verse says, by correctly handling the word of God. When we do this, we get God's approval. God is pleased with us. 
and it's every Christian's duty. We need to do this. We can't take the position that it's the minister's job or the elder's job to make sure they correctly handle the word of God and then they need to teach us. We are each responsible individually for correctly handling the word of truth. Acts chapter 17 tells us that the Bereans were a more noble character than other Christians because they examined the scriptures every day to see if what the Apostle Paul was teaching was true. You know, they didn't just take Paul's word for it. They went to their Bibles and said, is that true? And they studied it. And that's what we should be doing. If I'm sitting there listening, if I'm not the one preaching and Jay is the one that's preaching, then I need to listen to what Jay says and I need to study it to see if what he said is true. And vice versa. Jay needs to do the same. We all need to do that. We need to take a look. Is what he's saying really true? We need to do our own homework. God used us as noble when we seek his will through his word, when we study our Bibles. Another point we need to think about is that it is every Christian's duty, as we mentioned at the very beginning, to correct false teaching. It has to be corrected. We should care enough about a person's soul to do as Priscilla and Aquila did in Acts chapter 18. You might remember when they sat down with Apollos, and it says that they had to explain God's word more accurately. He was teaching well. He was doing a good job, but he was a little off. And so they sat him down, and they taught him more accurately so that he had it right. Paul told Timothy to command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer, 1 Timothy 1.3, which means correction is something that God wants us to do, God expects us to do. As a Christian, what kind of attitude should you have toward correction? If somebody came up to me and said, Sean, you know, you said something in your sermon and you, that wasn't correct. I said, oh, really? Okay, let's sit down and let's look at it. Show me. If I see that I'm wrong, I should be humble enough to accept that and repent and say, I was wrong. That's how we should handle correction. Not all of us is very good at it, though, right? And so, will we have the kind of humility that we should have when somebody comes to us and tells us that we've been wrong? If we're wrong, then we need to repent. We should be willing to do that. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 12, verses 47 and 48. John chapter 12, verses 47 and 48. This is what Jesus says. He says, As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. In its context, Jesus was talking about the Jews who reject Jesus and his gospel. But there's greater application here of this verse. And if we are to accept, accept Christ's words, we need to keep them. If we don't, we will be judged. It says that his word will judge us on the last day. Let's talk about judgment day. That God's word is going to judge each and every one of us on that day. Whether you are the one teaching or the one receiving the teaching. Whether you are the one giving the correction or the one receiving the correction, we're all going to be judged by the word of God on that day. And so it's important for all of us to be doing our homework, to study it, to know that we're really doing the will of the Father. Because we don't want to be in error. The thought of not going to heaven because we didn't work hard enough to know the will of God should be a thought that sits in every Christian's mind. 
I don't want to have that on my brain, thinking I'm not going to go to heaven because I, I got lazy. I didn't want to study the Word. I didn't want to know the will of God. I just went through life doing what I wanted. We don't want to be guilty of mishandling the Word of God, and we certainly don't want to be seen as false teachers either. So we need to take very care, very cautious care, about studying and knowing what the Word says. So let me finish with this. I challenge you. Here's a challenge for you. I challenge you to be like the Bereans. To read and study your Bible daily to learn the will of God. I challenge each and every one of us. Take 15 minutes out of your day. Just put it aside. And I'm sure we could all do that. 15 minutes. Just put 15 minutes aside to read and study your Bible. Will you do that? Then as Ephesians 4.14 says, We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. We'll know what the word says. We will be able to recognize what is false teaching, and we will be able to say no to it and do the will of the Father. If you are here today and you want to truly know God and his will, won't you come forward and hear the good news of Jesus? Respond to that good news through the waters of baptism and be saved. As John 8:32 says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's stand and sing our last song in the morning.